0: Welcome, Phoenix fans, to another episode of The Burning Bird. I'm Steve Liner. I'm joined by my regular partner in crime, Alexander Shaggy Shragus. Shaggy, how you doing today, buddy?
1: I'm doing great. It's Passover.
0: It is Passover. Happy Passover to you and, and yours there, Shag. Thank you. And we're also joined by Nate Little, a, a, a rookie on the Phoenix this year. Nate, thanks for joining us.
2: No problem. Glad to be here.
0: So Nate, you uh you went to Science Leadership Academy here in the city of Philadelphia, is that right?
2: Yep, attended there for four years. Started Frisbee my second uh my first year.
0: Started Frisbee your first year. So the Science Leadership Academy is coached by a good friend of mine, Chris Lehman. And uh coach uh, coach Lehman is notorious for his early morning practices, is that right?
2: Yes. Yeah, so things are usually practice at Penn Park. And we were going to have our practices usually after school, but since, you know, Penn teams usually use the turf, but then other people, we decided to have them, like, early in the morning. We asked Penn, they said it was okay, so 6.30 morning practices before school. Well, it's kind of a hard transition for me, but, you know, doing it for so long, so.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
2: Have you been able to keep that early morning workout drive
1: with you since
0: you graduated?
1: Yeah. Ask. Oh, oh, nice.
2: (laughs)
0: So, you, so you're an early riser? You get up, you work out in the morning?
2: Yeah, not a lot of people are morning risers, but I'm, like, one of the few. So the transition for me wasn't that hard, but to others, you know, the motivation just had to be there. So.
0: <laughs> now, now, Nate, you are the uh, by far the youngest player on the Phoenix at 19 years of age. Uh, how did you get in the ultimate, and what do you uh, attribute your quick ascent to the professional
2: ranks? Well, I definitely have to give credit to my principal and coach, Coach uh, Lehman, for really just getting me in the loop of doing certain things in the YCC and the Philadelphia community as well, associating with Patta, and keeping close to, you know, big-time players between, like, Mike Akata, you know, Mott and everything. Just give me that connection and the ability to develop as a player. so all I could ever ask for. So just glad to be here now.
0: So, how did you first get into ultimate? Like, what first drew you to the sport? Did like, did you like walk around SLA your freshman year and say, "Wow, there's a frisbee. Well, that looks pretty cool."
2: <laughs> well, actually, I've been introduced to this sport by a friend of mine who were in uh, the same class together. I actually wanted to play basketball during at the time, but he told me to try ultimate for a little bit. And my freshman year, I was actually on a JB squad, so I tried it. I didn't really understand it really well. <laughs> I was just so confused by the rules, but you know. I stayed with it for a little bit. I actually kind of liked it. Went to a couple of tournaments and a couple of games and just developed from there. And my next year, my sophomore year, actually played on varsity with Coach Lehman. And it kind of just took the ride from there and loved it ever since.
0: Now, how old were you when you first got into Ultimate? Fourteen. Fourteen. So, man, you've had five years under your belt. Now, how many, how many uh, other teams did you play for?
2: I played for two of the teams, for the YCC, Philadelphia Forge Boys, and Philadelphia Forge Mix. And I've also played for the POP team and Philadelphia Citywide and Philadelphia Duffos so far. So that's a total of four.
0: All right, so you made Citywide last year? I have. Okay. And what was that experience like for you playing at that level?
2: Playing at that level for Citywide definitely developed me into a much better player, much more focused and I have to say, well, motivated as well. Uh, it, was, it was a hard transition for me, but being able to just compete with that much experience that other players have, veteran players who've been doing it for years, versus a guy who's just doing this for his first year at a this, uh, by high, competition, high competitive level, it's something that you can never ask for, but it's how you learn, it's how you develop. So I'm really glad I got that experience down and hope for many more.
0: Well, how does a guy like yourself do that how do you bridge that gap in, in with your with your seeming lack of experience at the high level what do you what do you, do you just put it out of your head and go out there and play hard
2: yeah basically you just go out there play hard associate with yourself with other people you know ask questions keep yourself motivated and you just gotta want it at the end of the day like you know you're not going to be at the top tier level guys but you know you compete and you learn from them see what they do you take notes everything everything to do be a great player
0: well, talk about your YCC experience here with, with in uh, in in Philadelphia. What was that like for you?
2: Uh, so, the YCC season basically is a bunch of kids that played each other in like the Lower Merion area, Mafton area, high schools like that. They all come to play together as one unit and to compete around the country. And I think that's pretty cool. So, playing with different playing style, with different players is definitely mind-boggling, and it's also um, I don't know. I'll just say it's very just creative as well. Like you learn from other people, uh, you take notes, you know, as usual, and you know, just being motivated and seeing what they do and just like apply your playing style to others is something that un- unimaginable, to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with the YCCs, you got to go to Blaine, Minnesota. Uh, I'm sure uh, in your younger days, you always dreamed of going to Blaine. What
2: was it like going to Minnesota? <laughs> yeah, going to Minnesota was who <clears throat> um, definitely like taking a plane ride right there. Like I just it just snapped to me. Just like oh my gosh, like this is serious. Like I'm glad to actually play my best, but you know when you keep your composure and you just play the game like you know how to play for so many years, you know just knowing that you'll do okay, man. You'll definitely do okay. Just be yourself, you know. Do the playing style. Don't change anything, you know. Just those type of tactics I just had to have constantly in my mind. So that was just something that is just, just going out there, just playing in general. So. Well,
0: with the with with the Phoenix this year, you're going to be taking plane rides down to uh, Florida <laughs> to play different teams. I mean, is is it going to feel the same, or is it going to feel a little different now that the uh, stakes are maybe a little bit higher?
2: Uh, definitely, stakes are going to be higher, but I definitely feel like it'll be the same. You know, I just definitely to have to go out there and just play the same alternate play you know, definitely listen to the advice of, you know, the more veteran players and the more uh, other opponents as well and the coaches, you know, so. Jaggi, what
0: do you got, buddy?
1: Well, Nate, I was curious. So you were talking about how you you became – you kind of networked yourself in the Philly Ultimate community. Um, Do you feel like you have a leg up on some of these guys because – I, you know, you were talking about Mike Arcada. I knew Mike Arcada when he was 19. He was not ready
2: to play professional ultimate at 19. Oh, I'm definitely excited. I'm just definitely excited to learn and get this experience down. You know, hopefully put the team um, in the championship bracket and championship weekend during the ADL season. You know, make a name for Philadelphia Phoenix, you know. That's all I want to be able to do. So that's my goal.
0: <laughs> hey, Nate, where Philly are you from?
2: West Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. All
0: right, what's it what's it going to be like for you to be playing in the South Philadelphia super site this year? Oh, in the middle well, of the I, know,
2: <laughs> I definitely know South Philly. is known for sports and, you know, the compassion for what we have. You know, it's literally where all our stadiums are, between the Eagles, the Phillies, and the Sixers. So actually playing alongside, you know, that type of area is definitely going to be a game changer for me, you know. <clears throat> I mean, I watch a lot of documentaries. I'm a big football fan, so I definitely watch a lot of documentaries between rookies, being able to come into, like, the Eagles organization and stuff, just telling people, like, how do you really feel and everything. Just I feel like one of them, you know. I just feel like, you know, that that you never think you'll get here until you actually try. So now I'm here, though. I put in a lot of work and really just decided to play, you know, to show Philly who we are, what we got.
0: Is, is there one Eagles rookie that you just assimilate with a little bit uh, better
2: or, uh,
0: or or not? i um,
2: will probably say for one of the Eagles rookies, Miles Sanders was one of them watching him this year, and watching him just ball out, honestly. Uh, he definitely set the mood and set the mindset of what it takes, whatever it takes to get his team to win and anything. So I want to have his role in my mind and be a role model like him.
0: If you, can, if you can have the kind of impact on the Phoenix that Miles Sanders had on the Eagles, the uh, Phoenix are going to be in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got to hey, be I... Oh, no, it's
1: okay. You know, Miles Sanders had his breakout game, right? Was that uh, that game against the Giants where I think he had like three or four goals or touchdowns? What do you, man? Goals? I, I'm such a in such a frisbee mindset right now. It's, like the only sport I'm talking about for weeks. What is the What's the Nate Little breakout moment in the ADL going to be? Or not?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure. If I had to guess, I don't know. If I would just, like, have a total number of skies, layouts. It could be anything, man. It could be anything. But we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? <laughs> now, how, yeah. many,
0: how many tickets are you going to have to buy to give out to your SLA teammates to come watch you play?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Probably a lot.
0: <laughs>
2: Probably a lot. Yeah.
0: I'm sure you're going to have a big fan base g- g- throughout the uh, the city coming out to watch you guys play. Yeah. Um, what, what is that going to be like playing in front of a, a, a big crowd like that? I mean, I, I can't imagine you've had too many opportunities in your short career to play in front of huge crowds like that.
2: Yeah, honestly, uh, I really couldn't tell you if I could, but definitely just, like, go out there and play hard. But also at the same time, just, like, Knowing that they're there, you just have to like channel out that kind of volume and everything. You just have to focus on what's a task and everything like that. Because when you focus and you get the job done, you know, and then you have like the whole crowd behind you, you know, <laughs> letting you know that we're there for you and you know, it just gives you that motivation and everything. So,
0: where do you uh, see yourself playing on the Phoenix on the uh, on the O line, the D line, and uh, I assume that you're uh, you like to be a cutter.
2: Yeah, uh, I definitely want to see myself on the D-line. Uh, defense has always been my mentality ever since I started playing basketball and football. Uh, <laughs> you know, they say defense wins games, so I definitely want to apply that into the Phoenix organization.
1: Have you got gotten to play in any pickup basketball game with the Phoenix players?
2: <laughs> Actually, I have when we had the, um, the little party that we had it was a lot of fun, you know, and I mean, not many of us that get our basketball, but you no, know, they really share something there and there, so it's a good so little who'd experience. Be,
1: who'd be your top five uh, basketball players on the team? And, and you can put yourself in there.
2: I mean, don't, you know, don't be too humble. On a Phoenix team? Yeah. Uh, definitely get James. Uh, Matt Ellis is a good one. I'll also say Nick. He's a, he's a competitor. I like Nick DiGiorgio, and I played against him in the past, too. When uh the Citywide versus Patrol in the pop program, that was a lot of fun. Um I really don't, don't know. <laughs> I really don't know like who's a really good basketball. Oh, Ken is also a good one. We talked about that a little bit. And how many is S four? And his last one. Yeah. And I'll put an Arcada, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. You yeah, bring a little of that leadership. All motor. Hey, we well, need some leadership on the team, you know?
1: <laughs> would you would you put yourself in there if you could or are you oh yeah definitely put myself in? There Oh, uh, okay.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you handling the uh, the quarantine?
2: Yeah, I'm taking it very serious. Um, have been watching a lot of news with my parents, and we definitely try. We definitely do social distancing, whether we go out to get some groceries or just to do a couple errands. You know, it's a serious thing. It's a serious matter. I really hope everyone's taking it seriously and taking all the precautions necessary, so.
1: What's something kind of uh, different, maybe that's a little picked up, like it, being in quarantine. Like I have started learning Japanese, uh, which I didn't think I would ever do, and then it turns out I kind of enjoy learning Japanese. That's what I've been doing with my time. What's something you that you guys have been doing?
2: Yeah, so my mom is actually a massage therapist, and during this time, uh, she actually does a lot of like meditating, and that's something I've always been trying to do, but I've just been so busy doing other things. But since you know quarantine is just like very active. I've been meditating with her a lot. And honestly, it just feels so good. Like, it eases my mind, releases the stress, just, you know, thinking about this whole pandemic. So, meditating, I'll say, is probably one of them. So, I'm just trying to, like, find and connect myself a little bit during this time. Yeah. That's not goofy, but it is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you Are you adhering to the workout schedules that the uh, Phoenix have put out there, Nate?
1: Yeah. Uh
0: What's your uh, least favorite what's your least favorite part of the workouts?
2: Hmm. Least favorite part. Uh <laughs> that's a tough one actually. Which one which one
0: which which one do you do you <laughs> dread do you dread doing the most?
2: Let's see. Uh I'll probably have to say well like during practices when we usually do our workouts, Greg Martin's what was it? Uh it's like in, like, a fire hydrant position, and then afterwards we have to push down and get back up and do sprints is probably the worst one. Because I just – I don't know. I just always just tend to shut up with, like, my, my footing, you know. I don't know. I just don't really have a good balance. But, you know, that's why I do it. That's why I practice. It's got to work on it, you know.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Phoenix fans, uh, thanks for joining us on another segment of the Burning Bird. Shaggy, thanks for joining us again. And, Nate, thanks for coming out and uh, and uh, being a part of the podcast. We sure appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem.
0: For Alexander Shaggy Stragus,
1: for Nate Little,
0: I'm Steve Leinert. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Burning Bird.
1: Head on over to AUDL.TV and pick yourself up a subscription to watch all of the AUDL games throughout the season, including your Philadelphia Phoenix.
0: Watch your Philadelphia Phoenix take on the Boston Glory on Wednesday, July 1st, on Fox Sports 2. Welcome back, Phoenix fans, and thank you for joining us for another segment of the Burning Bird. We are joined by our normal partner in crime, Alexander Shaggy Shragus. Shag, thanks
1: for coming back. Of course. Always coming back. <laughs> He's it's No matter
0: how often I try to push him away, he always keeps coming back. That's This is true and uh, we're joined in this segment by longtime phoenix stalwart uh Kenny wells k dub thanks for joining us
3: thanks for having me coach thanks for having me shaggy how you guys doing
0: Doing great oh, doing, doing great thanks for thanks for coming on and uh he, he still calls me coach uh that that leads us into my one of my first questions i mean we you were you were a former captain of the phoenix back when I was the coach in twenty fourteen uh do you have any stories about your time back then?
3: Oh man, that was uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, actually, I remember our uh, first win that year was in Rochester, and I, I remember um, you know we had a we had a warm up, and we kind of seemed a little out of sorts, and we all we all got in a circle together, and uh, Coach, you just gave like one of the most hype inspirational speeches where you, you grab your hat and you just. Spiked it onto the ground. Your face got all red, screaming, and yelling, and like that just juiced me up so much. And we got in there and <laughs> actually got our uh, our first win of the year. So that's probably the best story I had from uh, from uh, from that year.
0: I, I went after that game. Uh, I went. We won seventeen sixteen in that game.
3: Mm-hmm. I remember.
0: It, I remember it fondly because it was my first AEDL win. And I, after that game, everybody was stretching in a big circle on on the field there. And I went around and I shook everybody's hand as I was crying. I was I was so happy that we won. Uh, you know, so uh but um so you were on the Phoenix for a while. Um you were were a captain at a at a young age. Uh, what what made you take time off from the Phoenix?
3: So, um a couple things. Uh I have been until last year I was coaching the uh Westchester University men's uh, club Ultimate Team, and that took a lot of time, um, you know, to really dedicate to that, to do it right. Um, and I also got more into uh, Club. I uh, helped start a mixed program in Westchester and did a lot of logistics for it. So it was really just a matter of time and not really having uh, enough time in my Ultimate Frisbee schedule to donate to, or not donate, but to, you know, uh, give to the Phoenix with uh, the amount of commitment that's needed
0: all right so what what
3: loosened up for you and made you want to come back well in uh in short FOMO uh you know uh <laughs> I kept seeing the team uh get better and get stronger and um a couple things that really made me want to come out this year were the uh the, the halftime game at the uh Lincoln Financial Field last year I mean not saying that that's ever going to happen for me, but like just getting to see those guys, like guys that I knew like Matt and a guy that I coached Austin, get out there and get to play in front of, you know, the Eagles fans and against Dallas, like that just hyped me up so much to want to come out and play for the team again. And uh, seeing kind of the restructure and getting some more games down South kind of felt nice too. But I mean, uh, if I'm being honest, I just had a lot of fun at the tryout. Um, You know, I, I, Almost went and tried out last year, almost went the year before, ended up making it out this time and, and it just felt right.
0: Well that that leads me to my next question. What was your expectations of yourself going in the tryouts?
3: You know, I really didn't have any expectations. Um you know, I, I still was in contact with uh, you know, Mike uh, Arcata. Arcada, um who's done such a good job of uh of really running the team and, and help pushing it forward. And he's always been You know, super welcoming, like, oh, come back, try out whenever you want. And, you know, I didn't really have too much expectations. I just told myself, you know, some people might know you. You'll probably be an unknown. Just go in and have fun and ball out. And, uh, well, people did know me. And uh, Jeff George came up and shook my hand, introduced himself. And, you know, I just had such a good time playing. I was like, I want to come back for more.
0: Now you uh, you went to you went to college with Matt Esser at Millersville University. What was what what, what I mean that, I mean that must seem like a long time ago in and of itself there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now now you guys are teammates on the Phoenix. What was it like watching him on the field at, at the link last year?
3: Oh, it was uh, it was it was fun. I mean, he just has so much energy, and he's still uh, you know he, he's. He's very successful in his career, and he he um, he does a really good job uh, teaching kids. But like, he's still a kid when he plays ultimate, and that's just something I've always really respected. And even though the weather was miserable during that halftime, just watching him run out there with a big smile on his face, you know that's that's just Matt.
0: Now you you've uh, not only have you been a t- longtime teammate and friend of of Matt Esser, but You've also now coached like you've, you've coached quite a few teams over there in Westchester. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a few of these players are now on the Phoenix. What's it going to be like for you to play alongside some of these players that you coached or mentored along the way as a, as opposed to just being like their their regular
3: coach where they looked up to you and they listened to you? Oh man, uh well, they didn't always listen to me. <laughs> but um you you know about that. Uh it's just, <laughs> all it's too familiar. familiar. um it's really exciting you know i'm just really proud of them i mean the three guys on the team this year uh dust uh austin and uh uh, nick they're all just exceptionally talented athletes uh we've had other uh guys i've coached from that westchester program uh will honey dust and sullivan i think was mentioned by hankin at the last podcast um yamin and even devin foster uh, have played on the the Phoenix and getting a chance to play um, with these three guys at such a high level is just like, it's awesome. Like to to play with those guys or really to to play with them after seeing them at their newest and then seeing how far they've come and where all three of them are now better players than me. And it's just like, it's really awesome just to get out there with them. So I can't, I can't even explain how proud I am and how much of it, a, an awesome thing I'm looking forward to with them.
0: Now, yeah, Dustin Hankin told a story about you where uh, you you wouldn't let him throw up field, and uh, even after you came back from bear-proof handling, he comes back and he goes, Coach, I'm ready to throw up field now, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 then he immediately turned it over, and you were like, This is why I don't want you to throw it up field. Um, what? what you, it it's gotta be it's gotta be a little bit of a transition because you're gonna have to talk to them a little differently than you would as <laughs> coach to players, teammate to teammate, right? I mean you're gonna have to kinda frame things a little nicer than that.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean like, you know, Dustin and I have always been friends too. Like these guys have uh and I have had a great job, uh, just kind of having this relationship. We're off the field, we've been friends, but on the field, um, you know, we've had a coach-player relationship and now a player-to-player relationship. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely going to be different. Uh, I don't think I've ever played on the same team as Dustin or Nick in a competitive setting, although we have won some uh, rec league champions together out here in uh, Westchester.
0: <laughs> they count. They count, man.
3: Oh, absolutely. I got those discs hanging in my room. Those count.
0: And on the, on the flip side of that, you played with Coach Dave Hanson on the Phoenix. He was your teammate. And now he's your coach. Is it, going to, is it going to be a little weird taking orders from, from, from Dave?
3: <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, you know, Dave's done such a good job, uh, him and uh, Coach Nate, uh, who I've also played with. I played uh, a mixed club with uh, Nate Vendetta a few years ago. Uh, they've done such a great job and have really, um, you know, not been afraid of thinking outside the box. And, I mean, just being on the sideline of practice and, and listening to Dave talk about um, – You know, the principles of why he thinks a certain defense or a certain offense would work at this level. Like, I know the dude's got it covered, so I don't think it's going to be weird.
0: You've always been uh, one of the younger players on the team, and and now you're one of the older guys on the team. How's that dynamic working out for you, and are you going to provide that veteran leadership that the Phoenix need on this young team?
3: (laughs) I kind of figured you'd ask me that, and uh, I'm sure you know (laughs) Well, at least board.
0: I waited. At least I waited until re- the podcast a little bit. I didn't right. start <laughs> off with it all the academy.
3: I? I mean, dude, like it was, it was kind of crazy. Like uh, the second tryout, just being uh, on the sideline, and I always have kind of been not only a young dude on the team, but the young dudes in my friend group. I mean, a lot of the guys I play with, like you know Ryan Forster, Matt Esser, all the, all the Millersville crew, were always older than me, and uh, I always felt young in terms of ultimate too, because I didn't start until you know college. But uh, I forget who it was. I don't even think it was one of my uh, Westchester dudes made a joke about me being like an old man. And that's when it kind of hit me that like I was one of the older guys on the team. And even when you look at the stats above the median age for the AUDL too. So I think um, I can provide, you know, some steadiness having been there before, but also I don't need to be, um the most vocal dude to kind of show that cuz we do have a lot of really good leaders on this team that I'm excited to learn from too
0: yeah it's not forced upon you to have to do it it's just if it comes naturally then it's it, then it's going to work itself out
3: exactly and i'm i'm looking forward i'm looking forward to that
0: it's almost like a little bit of a break for you from from coaching
3: yeah i mean i and i captained uh a captain my club team last year and did a lot of the logistical work and, uh, you know, coached and was in, in charge of scheming the offense and, oh, hey, coach, how, what should we do in this situation? What should, What should we do in this situation? How do you want this to run? It is kind of nice to just sit back and, you know, let other people make those decisions and just try to be, you know, the best teammate I can. And I think that's kind of where... Me having been there before will will be a help, just kind of showing like, yeah, this is how you listen. <laughs> this is
0: this is it. you're coaching him on how to
3: listen. That's <laughs> so. How are you handling the quarantine there, K Dub? Oh, I mean, I miss playing ultimate. Like for me, I'm ultimate frisbee is like my favorite thing to do. If I didn't have a human body, I would just be playing ultimate literally every second of every day. If that's what I could do. So I definitely miss it. I miss the competition. Um, so it's been tough in those ways. Uh, I've been watching a lot of movies and um, playing a lot of disc golf. And I uh, mean my roommates have been doing yoga every day, um, which has kind of been cool, definitely. Uh, <laughs> something that's a bit of a struggle. And uh, I've been trying to keep in shape doing the workouts that uh, Phoenix sent out and the ones that I do with my club team. But staying sane is definitely... Uh, Something that you gotta put your mind to in these times. It's 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 a challenge
0: for some of us on a regular basis.
3: <laughs> I hear that.
0: Taggy, yeah, you gotta have some
1: questions here for K dub right? <laughs> yeah, I have a bunch. I just didn't wanna butt in, where but was my time? You know, you don't want to
3: butt in on the uh, the two old men uh, reminiscing about uh, the glory days of their one win in 2014. <laughs> we had we had
1: two wins. We had two. We had, we had, two, had, two, two, we had two.
3: But the, they right. were both
1: against Rochester, which doesn't exist anymore.
3: <laughs> hey, they weren't. They weren't bad. They were okay. Yeah, they were a good team. They Every, were all right. Everyone <laughs> had people that could play. You know. <laughs> hey.
0: Hey, the Rochester Dragons were an AUDL team, and it counted at the time. And I'm gonna, th- and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Absolutely, yeah.
3: it's always tough winning away from home. And technically, the Phoenix beat New York,
0: the New York Empire, last year at AA Garthwaite Stadium.
1: No, technically they didn't. In in our hearts, but technically the the oh. game continued. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry. In our
0: in, in in another universe, we did. How about that? Is that a, is that a, is that a better way of putting it? Yeah.
3: Yeah. We, uh, we'll just say that uh, Empire's uh, undefeated season is under protest by this podcast. Yeah. For
1: sure. <laughs> so before I get to my questions, I have a little bit of a grievance to air with you. Uh, you came to my camp one year, my summer camp, to teach ultimate to the kids, and I thought you were very good. You, you're clearly your ability to be a teacher shown through. Um, the kids really enjoyed it; they learned a lot, and you had a distance throwing competition. And one of mm-hmm. my campers went up there. He threw maybe like thirty, forty yards. It was a good throw. And you mm-hmm. were like, you were like, whoa! I don't even think your counselor can throw it that far. <laughs> and then, and then I was stuck. I was I was willing to let him win, but now like you had <laughs> called my name, so I had to beat him. And did you beat him? I remember that bit. Oh yeah, I threw it out of the field that we were playing in. It it, that that might be the funniest I've ever thrown a frisbee. <laughs>
0: that
1: moment,
0: yeah, He muscled up to beat the camper. <laughs> 'cause they don't put them on the spot
3: that's priceless <laughs>
1: that's funny. It would have been like two thousand seventeen
3: okay yeah yeah i think i I think I remember that playing ultimate with kids is a, is is just the best i um I was fortunate enough to get to run um some clinics actually at the same school where coach Nate works, so that was pretty it's pretty awesome to get to do that oh wow, yeah, that must be super fun.
1: Is that something that you relish being back on the team, is being able to do those clinics before the games and, you know, during oh, the week?
3: Absolutely. Like, I mean, I um, I got to teach at a couple camps um, both last year, the one that I worked at, and the year before that, um, partially due to Phoenix Connections. Um, and kind of getting, getting the chance to just teach people how to play has always been something that, that means a lot to me. So getting to do that with the Phoenix is, you know, hopefully – yeah, something that's going to be awesome about this experience.
1: I was doing some googling about you before we we started the podcast, and USAU on the Loco Club team page has you listed at uh, six foot seven, but the <laughs> your player profile uh, says that you're only five eleven. So I was wondering how you shrank so
3: much between,
1: I guess, when the club season ended
3: and uh, tryouts. So <laughs> funny story when I. First got my driver's license back when I was 17 years old, back uh, in the stone age. Um, they, I hadn't measured myself in forever and I was in a growth spurt. So I got my license. I went up to the lady and she said like, how tall are you? And I said, Oh, five foot six. Cause that was the last time that I'd measured myself. And she takes one look at me and goes, no, you're not five foot six. We'll say you're five foot 11. So I don't even, <laughs> I'm not even sure if five 11 is completely accurate. Um, you know, Sometimes I feel super tall. I have a nice guy. and other times, uh, when the other thing happens, I feel like maybe I am five foot six.
1: So when, when we had um, Coach Hansen on, he said that you used to be a bit of like a a one a one tool player whose tool was phenomenal. It was that you could sky anyone on the field, and that now you've grown into this really well rounded player. How do you think that your game has improved through all these years of playing high level ultimate?
3: Just getting smarter um when I first played on the Phoenix like when I played in 2013 which was my first year that was the first time I ever had a coach that was I played for the Phoenix with one year of club experience under my belt and um you know playing at Millersville was one of the best experiences uh, of my life I literally thought the only skill was skying people every time I would go out there like I would sky someone for the first time, like on the team, someone that I always thought was better than me. And I was always just like, yep, I'm better than this person now because I did the one skill that matters. (laughs) So (laughs) just kind of expanding my mind um, and learning more about the game has just shown me that there's just so many different levels to it. And just thinking about it more, getting better at positioning and um, taking what the defense gives you has been, you know, kind of where my game has improved.
1: Um, what's the funniest coach Steve Weiner moment from the Phoenix?
3: I mean, probably that, that story I told earlier, he said, uh, he said that, um, you know, our team has all these different parts of it. Um, he's like, Oh, we got the, we got the Pensbury crew. Cause this was a, uh, this was Mott's first year. They got Mott Sullivan, Honey, Oh, uh, uh, Casey starts. we got the Pensbury crew. We got the Westchester crew. We got the Millersville crew of me and, and Ryan and Kyle. And, this team's a, a Frankenstein and Frankenstein's about to do some damage and uh <laughs> our buddy our buddy and like spikes the the hat and our buddy Brett just bursts out into like excited laughter just like ready to go <laughs> off that line and <laughs> that was probably my best uh coach Steve's story cuz he put everything into uh kind of getting us um you know, jacked up after what was really not a great warm up. So that's probably my best and funniest Coach Steve story. <laughs> uh
1: yeah,
0: I'm I'm known I'm known for my fiery, uh, fiery speeches before games, that's for sure. And <laughs> and, uh, and frankly my emotion after <laughs>
1: yeah. So Kenny, you said that um when they sent out the Spirit of the Phoenix questionnaire, one of the questions on it was "Who's your favorite Ultimate player?" And mm-hmm. you're, you said uh, you were yep. your favorite Ultimate player. How do you have that sort of confidence on the field and like in in real life? That's a lot of. It's a lot. To I bring, mean, you
3: know? you know, a lot of the like I said when I when I first started playing Ultimate, it was kind of like the Dark Ages. I didn't know who any of the good players were, besides the players on my team, besides, you know, the Essers of of the world. I didn't know that there were people that people knew about from the other coast. And by the time I figured that out, that there were all these people that people knew about, they were all younger than me. So (laughs) I'm not going to look up to someone who's younger than me, uh, except for all the people that, you know, I've gotten to coach. Um, So, I don't know, I feel like I've I've done a lot with uh, um, not that much uh, athleticism, not that much talent, just from sheer competitive will. So I feel like I have to have confidence in myself. Uh,
1: the only way that I can picture you is in pajama bottoms. Is that just because <laughs> I, I don't see very often, or is that your thing that you love wearing
3: pajama bottoms? Well, so often? I'm actually wearing uh, pajamas right now. Um, it was kind of my thing in college. Uh do know you got sky by the kid wearing pajamas. Um, actually just got back from uh, playing disc golf, and this guy walked past us and said, oh, would, would you lose a bet? You have to wear those. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, it's my thing when i got nothing else going on. Uh, but, you know, when I go to work or or want to look presentable, I have adapted other articles of clothing. But, um, yeah, I'd say it's fairly – it's fair to say that I'm known for that. Kenny has pressed uh, – Press pajama bottoms for when it goes out on special occasions. <laughs> Absolutely. I got the pajama tuxedo, uh, the pajama <laughs> necktie, <laughs> all made out of fleece. I did go. Nice. Dope for comfort. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what matters most, you know?
0: Absolutely. Comfort Absolutely. is its own style. Did you play Kerr Park today? I did play Kerr. Uh, yeah, I played Kerr Park for the first time uh, last week with Craig Martin and his dad.
3: Oh, nice! Yeah, I play with uh, I play with Greg a lot. He's uh, he's quite the player. Uh, he's quite the disc golfer. But um, yeah, Kerr's Kerr's a great course. It's gotten a lot better with a lot of the work they've done over it. And...
0: Yeah, this was before the quarantine came down, so I don't know what the uh, story is. But Kerr Park is still open, so that was a, that's a nice that's, that's a nice little course there.
3: Yeah,
1: I had just come from Sedgley, so I was like, oh, I wonder if we could run into each other.
3: You know, an hour oh. ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd ask you how you shot today, but then I'm afraid you'd ask me, and I'd rather not get into it. <laughs> do,
1: you use, do you use lids or disc golf discs? Oh, I use disc golf discs.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I started I started playing more seriously using actual discs a few years ago, and it's just a ton of fun. It kind of helps make you think about how the disc flies, and believe it or not, has helped my ultimate game too. So.
0: You know what they you know what they say about disc golf, there, uh, K Dub? Right?
3: Uh no. What do they say?
0: Disc golf is where ultimate players go to die. Hey man, I've
3: been uh <laughs> multiple <laughs> times have considered transitioning into uh into being a disc golf player first, but then um you know what happens? You go out there, and you hit a few trees and you're like, "Screw this, I'm going back to ultimate." I'm going back to ultimate. That's
0: right. No trees.
3: <laughs> no trees in the middle of the field.
0: I'd rather chase someone younger than me than keep hitting these
3: goddamn trees. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> K-Dub, thank you for joining us, man. This has been highly interesting. And whenever the season does start, we wish you the the best of luck. Especially being one of the older guys on the team, I hope they have a defibrillator on the sideline for people <laughs> like you. No, I'm, all, I'm only I'm
3: only kidding. Kenny's Kenny's what are you, you're only 28 now, right? I'm I'm 28. I feel a lot older. There's a lot of miles on these legs, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm 28 years young, and um, you know I'll never be as old as uh, as Matt Esser. So that's one thing that keep helps keep me going.
0: There you go. For Alexander Shaggy Shregas, I'm Steve Leiner. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, Phoenix fans. Join us Friday for another episode of The Burning Bird Presents The Phoenix Files, Game of the Week.
0: Welcome back, Phoenix fans, to The Burning Bird. We are joined today by Pittsburgh native and Phoenix rookie, Matt Hanna. Matt, thanks for joining us here today.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: Now now Matt where do you, you you do you reside in Philadelphia now? Uh,
4: I do. I live uh, in, like the Fishtown olibs area. Okay. All right. So the biggest difference between between Philadelphia
0: and Pittsburgh, what what is it in your opinion?
4: Uh ooh, that's interesting. Probably like the size. I think people uh think of Pittsburgh as kind of big, but uh it's really like spread out, I guess, where in uh here in Philly it's just like I remember the first time I got in a plane and went over, it and I was like, "Oh my god!" I didn't had not didn't realize how big it was compared to like where I grew up, where I went to school. Right. People are pretty similar. They might say that they're they're different, but uh, I don't know. Pittsburgh's a little more midwestern, I guess. Now,
0: do you, do you still say yins every once in a while, or are you uh, have you transitioned <laughs> over to use guys? Uh,
4: I I typically stayed away from yins. Uh, my mom never let me so. <laughs> I got a couple other like little dialect things, but for the most part, uh, it's usually just accent type stuff. I can't right. say, say the word color very well; it comes out as color most of the time.
0: That's all right. You can't help where you're from, man. I, I can't say I can't say anything but water. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so we we asked this to all the, uh, the we asked this to Alex Storm. We interviewed him earlier this year. Him being a Pittsburgh guy and a Philadelphia transplant, uh, are you a cheesesteak guy or, or you are you a permani Brothers guy?
4: Why can't I have both? Well, there's no Permane Brothers in Philadelphia. Oh well, yeah, I can't. When I'm in Pittsburgh, I'm gonna get a Permane Brothers sandwich. I've been like, you make me sad because I kind of miss them, but uh, uh, I like the cheesesteaks not... here. All right, all right. I all like right. to go out of my way to to get one. We went. We were stopping at uh, DeLisandro's near uh Manioc when we were having those practices on Wednesdays. And I actually had that years ago, and I was told it was the best place. So I was pretty excited when our practice was near it. Yeah. Now, Del Sandro's is my,
0: my top place to get a a, a an American cheesesteak without, uh, I'll tell you right now. Uh, but I'm sure if I, if, the, if the roles were reversed and I was in Pittsburgh, I would be missing my cheesesteaks as much as you're missing your Primanti brothers.
1: Yeah, I believe it. <laughs>
0: Shag, would you be Permani's brother guy? Would you would you do the coleslaw
1: on the uh on the sandwich? I didn't eat coleslaw until I was like twenty five. I stayed away from cabbage. There's something about cabbage and carrots thrown together in like a well mixture mixture that I want no part of. The uh, the permani like, sandwich has no uh
4: no carrots and it's vinegar based instead of like mayo based. So I, uh... I kinda feel the same way. Like I was out on coleslaw, but when you go there it's like very like different for the most part and uh mm-hmm. Pretty important. It's basically, I think, the most important part of the sandwich.
0: Right, so, but, dude. I'm scared of the coleslaw. I'm I'm <laughs> scared of the coleslaw. Okay, the coleslaw was putting fries on the sandwich. I'm in. I'm in for that. Okay, I'm I'm in for that. But the, the coleslaw is the deal breaker for me.
1: Well, I'm back in on uh, if it's vinegar based. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never had that.
4: That yeah, it's like kind I of sweet. It's like I I don't know how to explain it. But if you don't get it, I'd say the sandwich is a little dry.
1: Mm-hmm. All right,
4: there's our Permani brothers tip of the week, from yeah and, and get a Cat fried egg, egg. ninety nine cents to get a fried egg on it, too, you have to, oh my goodness, gracious, <laughs> look at the secrets We delved out here today on the
0: birdie bird now now you're making my mouth water a little bit, man, you' were with the <laughs> coast law. I'll tell you, um, so Matt, you went to Hampton high um out in Pittsburgh. Did you did you play on the team that finished third at states at Edgley, um a few, a few years ago?
4: Oh, I have to think about that. I believe I did. Yeah. So <laughs> you played
0: you you played ultimate in Philadelphia for Hampton High in, at our beloved Edgley Fields.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what year it was. That we finished third, though.
0: Yeah, I think it was like 2012 or uh, yeah, 20, like in, in, in and around there. It was right after Trent Dillon left Radner. Okay, and I, and I remember that Radner and Hampton were supposed to play each other in the third and fourth place game, and we just got beaten by Lower Marion fifteen to one in the semi finals, so we wanted no parts of that third and fourth place game, so that's why I remember that Hampton High finished third
4: because we didn't want to play. I do not wow i I'm not sure if I remember I would have been in twenty twelve I'd have been a sophomore in high school no i I mean you're probably right. everything starts to blend together. I feel okay. like I've been I did the math recently on how many seasons I've played now and it was like close to twenty. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's what is it, 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 it? These you is. You're you're it's it's almost like people are getting
0: older at a younger yeah. age because of how much <laughs> ultimate do they play anymore, you know, because
4: they start mm-hmm. so young anymore, you know? Yeah, I mean I even for me I thought I was starting young by starting to play as like a freshman in high school, but all the guys I played with in college have been playing in middle school and sometimes right. earlier.
0: Yeah, exactly. Guys like Trent Dillon and Alex Thorne who've been throwing discs since they were born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, uh, you played So you played with Alex Thorne on temper, um, yes. but you didn't play with him at Pitt. Um, no. you and you only played with him sparingly at temper, not only a short amount of time. Uh, what's it going to be like for you to, to suit up in a professional setting with a Pittsburgh
4: legend such as Alex Thorne? Oh, I'm very excited. I enjoyed playing with him. We both played on Temper's O-line for the time that uh, he was playing with Temper. And I think it just, I mean, it just worked. You know, like we were able to play together. Uh, I mean, have been enjoying playing with him. When the three practices, we did get to play together and uh, a tryout. Uh, I think, you know, when you come from the same coach, I mean, Nick Kaczmarek's been there for how long and actually played with Alex, you uh Developed similar like tendencies, similar understanding of the game, um, and so I'm just excited to play with him. I feel like whenever we uh, played together, especially at the first tryout, we were just on the same page. It was easy to communicate, easy to uh, work together, and just get out there and play.
0: Now you're uh, you're you're more of a cutter, right? I mean, yes. uh, do you fancy yourself an O-line guy or a D-line guy on a Phoenix? Uh,
4: I guess we'll just have to see. I'm down to play wherever. Um, the past couple teams. I've been on, i played on the O-line. I mean, my fifth year at Pitt, I was playing both ways, like, in big games, but mostly it was on the O-line um, for patrol this past summer. I was an O-line guy, but uh, I'm into play wherever, wherever I'm needed.
0: All right. I mean, and, well, being a cutter and Alex being a thrower, I mean, that's got to be a natural combination for you to fall into. I mean, uh, it, it might be behoove you to be an O-line guy to start. I mean, and I don't normally say that about rookies. Normally, rookies you want to see them like cut their teeth on the D line because it's a little less pressure. But would you welcome the pressure of an O line assignment with on the same line as Alex Norton? Oh, for sure. I mean, how I'm used you not? to it. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. So, and you you um, you played for Patrol this past season. Is that correct?
4: Yes. How'd that go for you? I was exciting. It was weird coming into play for a new team. Uh, I'd been playing for Temper for a bunch of years. I had kind of planned on staying in Pittsburgh this summer. Uh, plans changed. I ended up basically coming home from college nationals on Tuesday, moved here, or, you know, went out, partied with my friends on Wednesday, and then got up and drove to Philly on Thursday, started working that next Monday. So uh big turnaround. I, I think even that, that weekend I went to a patrol tryout when I really did not want to, <laughs> coming off of, you know, the full college season. Uh, they kind of were lenient, allowed me just to come to one. And, um, I mean, I had a great time. I really enjoyed it. I felt bad. I feel like I had kind of a limited season with not really knowing their schedule ahead of time and having other life plans, and I uh, was, was injured for part of the season. But, you know, I came in. They trusted me to do what I can do. I really enjoyed – I really liked the coaching staff, um, especially kind of the, the trust that they had in me to, when I was there, like play with – I was able to start and play with that O-line and was able to get things done when I could. So it's a good time. So if the season happens, I was elected a captain for patrol for this upcoming season. So if that happens, I'm kind of doing some behind the scenes stuff right now to hopefully make this season as good as possible. Now, is there going to be any conflicts
0: between patrol and Phoenix? If the, I, I mean, I guess that's all up in the air right now, but were there going to be conflicts and how would you have handled that?
4: Uh, I mean, I think that in the past there was some understanding between the two teams. I know that there wasn't the full uh, partnership this year. Um, I was
1: planning on playing
4: like, through all the Phoenix stuff until like that season had ended um, and then jumping into patrol when I could. I think for the most part uh, I hadn't really like, talked to both teams about what, what the plan was but as captain it would really just be important for me to see people trying out whether that was through film or being there. I'm sure that we we're going to find a way to to work things out. And I was going to try to prioritize like the season at hand with uh, Phoenix. Now with whatever conflict happens, I guess we'll just see. We'll, we'll work out. See what I got to do.
0: Yeah, I mean everything's just so up in the air for everybody right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I asked this of uh, I asked this of most of the guys that we've been interviewing on the Burning Bird here. Um, how what are you doing to pass the time? Ultimate wise, are you are are you watching film? Are you are you doing the workouts that Greg Martin has sent around? Um what what is are you trying the Arcata Instagram challenges that he's putting out there? I mean, uh what what are you uh what are what are you what is what is Matt Hanna doing to pass the time?
2: Well I haven't
0: I haven't done an uh Instagram
4: challenge yet because I don't have a field big enough. The field I like go to is still like packed near my place, but I'm not trying to you know, throw a disc in know do a bunch of push ups and uh get up with a packed field of people still like playing playing soccer. There's like a basketball court there. Uh, for the most part, though, I've been getting some workouts in at that field with um, teammate uh, Bryce. He actually lives close to me. He he walks that field, so we we keep our six feet apart. Get some uh, tempo workouts, some speed workouts there, and then mostly just like some at home stuff. I got a pull up bar. I've been doing a lot of like body weight things like that, and um, a mobility class once or twice a week.
0: That sounds like you're staying in some shapes. How much how much do you miss ultimate though?
4: Oh, lot. It's interesting when you come out of college. You know, I came out of my fifth year of college where I was basically playing year-round for, a bunch, really, since high school. And then I hit that patrol season, and it was, like, very tough to get motivated for that. And, like, that ended, and I was like, all right, I'm looking forward to this break. And, you know, right around when Phoenix was, came around, I was getting pretty excited to play again. I'd actually been uh, coaching Temple's men's team, um, so that had kind of, like, got me back in. And so I was, you know, ready, ready to go. I was gearing up and it's a shame that it all kind of got cut off like this. You know, coaching ended, we haven't been able to practice, um, but, you know, I'm making do, I think that it's going to be definitely make me very hungry when I come back and I'm on the field and maybe in the long run, this is good for me. Just considering like I haven't really had a much of a break and now I'm going to get almost nine months. Nice.
0: That's a, uh, that's actually a good way of looking at
4: it is because, uh, because a lot of
0: people have burned out. Maybe having this break is good for players like yourself that have been going hardcore with the University of Pittsburgh, which that's no easy, that's no easy team to play for either. Uh, we we uh, the Radnor, As a Radner coach, I've sent a few guys to uh, Pitt, and uh, I, I know that I follow that program pretty closely, especially on the uh, Nationals level. And uh, I, I like their style of play. It's akin to the uh, North Carolina way that I played down when I went to ECU. But uh, you, you guys are—I mean—it it, it can burn you out with the amount of workouts that you do, and, and it can really get to you.
4: Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm sitting at that that opposite end now. That's what's interesting. It's like you know you're doing so much, and now everything's just like slowed down to yeah. a halt. Then it's like you kind of—I like to find that balance in the middle. I never really been on this side of it before. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back. I really do think. I, I hope that a lot of the a lot of the other guys feel this way that. You know, it's just more fuel on the fire. and it to make me so much more excited to come back and probably be a much happier player.
0: Well, speaking of being a, a happier player, uh, University of Pittsburgh, guys, they they tend to have a little bit of a chip. They play with a chip on their shoulder a little bit. Let's talk about the moonwalk. <laughs> right, let's just put it out there, okay? Like So so let's just uh, – I, I don't know what year this is from. Oh, no, it's from 20 – was this last? No, no, it was a couple years ago. 2018. Well, the University of North Carolina Wilmington, UNCW, uh, beat Pittsburgh in a quarterfinal game, and the coach, Brian Casey, did a pretty bad version of the moonwalk um, in celebration of that win over the University of Pittsburgh. Fast forward to a double-game point win by Pittsburgh over UNCW. Mr. Hanna, after Jonah Wish throws the game-winning goal for the University of Pittsburgh... Matt, you re, you recreated that moonwalk. Um, was that something that you had planned?
1: So I would say uh, I wasn't even on the team when that
4: had happened. That was right after they had won two back-to-back. They were on their way hopefully trying to get to three feet, and they lost in that game. And uh, there's just that that video of him running across the field backwards. I don't want to call it a moonwalk. it's not a moonwalk. I remember somebody uh, on Twitter.
0: It was, it was a terrible
4: was moonwalk. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I think the all two just messed up in school. With that. He was just celebrating running backwards. Right. Um, and so I was on the team, but that's a clip I'd seen a bunch of times. Uh, Martin Stratton, I dropped, dropped into the ground, like, hands hand covered his face, and it was just like, tough. it's something that I remember watching my, my uh, freshman year of college, right Four Nationals, and it was like, this is how our season ended last year. This is like they had uh, getting that that feeling out there. And uh, I'll say, like, there's been big rivalry between USCW and Pitt. I oh, yeah. felt in the past couple of years there was a lot of mutual respect between those two teams. I personally am a big fan of a lot of guys on, the, on that team. I like the way they play. I like that team. I, however, do not like their coach. Reasonably, I mean, we we all know it's anonymous texting. We know all that story. It's crazy. I think either way, <laughs> don't like that guy. I like a lot of the guys on that team. And I'm a lot of respect to them. But right before the tournament, I believe it was Easterns. They um tweeted that Friday feeling got me, like, and then they showed a GIF of that picture. I'm thinking, like, how oh, if you guys weren't on the team when that happened? Like, I don't know. I'm tired of, of seeing that, and I kind of thought it was a funny thing, and what was interesting was it, it definitely, like, was in the back of my head, but it wasn't planned. I normally, like, we, so we were running, like, an O-line rotation there. I think we had, like, an eight-man, so that was my rotation off, was that last point, and so I was not on the field, and I was, like, kind of thinking, oh, if we score this, like, Game point win. I am going to recreate it. I thought it was. I don't know. It was kind of just like one of the spur of the moment things. Like especially with them tweeting that that I thought was like unnecessary. Whatever, they're trying to start trash talk, so I thought you know when we get this win, I'm going to give her right back. Oh, hey,
0: vengeance is a dish best served cold, man. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I now when they I was expecting more of a moonwalk when they called it a moonwalk, man. But it was more of a running backwards type of thing. But then I saw Brian Casey's quote-unquote moonwalk, and I'm like, no, nah, Matt did it right. That's the right way to respond to that, man. That's fine.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was, a, that was a big win. Oh, it, it, it was a big win. Clearly, the whole team erupted. I mean, you know. And then uh, I remember the last year we played them at Easterns again, and there was um, – we have, like, an alumni email, and they were all, you know, putting money out to donate to an endowment that we have, and they were like, all right uh, – People were all in on, on betting on that game. Basically, they'd be like, "All right, I'm going to get five dollars if if Pitt wins." And someone had joked about, "Hey, I'll get five for uh, every point Pitt beats U N C W by." And, you know, this big rivalry. And then we showed up at and so I think we beat them fifteen to four last time. Oh my! So goodness. I don't know if that money ever got donated. But, um, that's, a hefty, <laughs> that's a hefty chunk of change. So you know, you go from one year to universe point, and you think there's this big rivalry, which there has been. But then we we really came out. I think uh, showed them up that year. Well, no, Pitt and
0: UNTW is much must-watch TV. That's a rivalry that never gets old.
1: See, I
4: think the the big one is uh, Pitt versus Carlton. Oh, okay. That's my personal, like, rivals. I know there's been a lot of talk about that in the past. Or, like, whenever, you know, we took out the – we were the nine seed at Nationals taking out the one seed in semifinals in 2018. Yeah. And that being a a big game. Then all two World articles coming out later saying that they, they weren't comfortable playing in the stadium. I, I don't know, I'm a little uh petty about that one still, so <laughs>
0: well what what else is it about Carlton that makes them a more um, of a rival in your head
4: uh, I don't know, maybe it's just a mentality, maybe it was a thing that year you know we were seen as like they were seen as just like better than everybody better than us, and we came in and kind of showed them up. I think it was a fifteen eleven fifteen twelve game um I don't know. There's I I can get petty about it. There's a lot of stuff. You you look at that team wins a national championship right in 2017, and then they turn around and don't even make nationals two years later, and then they're out there saying you know that that oh they didn't win against Pitt because they weren't comfortable playing in a stadium. You know they're not used to being that. And it's like we weren't used to that either. And you right. see that again? They they don't make nationals another year, and they got seven guys making the U24 team where Pitt had. Right, right, right. Things like that, I don't know, kind of bugs me. I, I feel like some of those guys come out with bigger names where, you know, Pitt might be more of, like, a system team that doesn't show with a bunch of, like, all-stars but has a program that is, like, getting things done, has has a quarterfinals appearance streak at nationals right now. I don't know how many years has a nationals appearance streak for over 10. Um, that's it. <laughs> I, can get, I can get into a lot more, but, you know, I don't need that. I can – Save that for another time. To ease
0: back on the rivalry talk a little bit, man, not many people mention cornerbacks as their favorite athletes. And you mentioned that Joe Hayden is your favorite athlete. I imagine that's because he's a, a, he plays for the Steelers. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, but what else about uh, Joe Hayden that, that you
4: admire? Uh, well, one, I'll say I, I bleed black and gold. I'm a huge football fan. Uh, I have been for a long time. Uh, and I love watching the Steelers. Uh, personally, I think defensive players in football are super fun to watch. I don't think they you see them, a ton the way that the game is filmed. But uh, cornerbacks in general, I just think, are, they have to be so smart. So there's all, all kinds of secondaries, like cornerbacks and safeties have to just be like so versatile, and I, I do believe that they make the uh, best Frisbee players. Uh, Joe Hayden, though, so he was old, actually, when we got him older. I, I mean, he's 30 right now, I believe. Um, we picked him up from the Browns a couple of years ago and we were in dire need of a corner. And he just came in and immediately made a difference. One of my favorite players to watch on that team makes plays, was a big playmaker this last year. And he's out there at, what, 30 years old, lining up against 23 year olds and younger and still just like making it look easy. Um, and I, I attribute that to him, one, being a freak athlete, but also he has to be smart. At 30, to be doing what he does, he just has to be really like, Using his brain out there and thinking he's not just winning based off speed based off like athleticism, he is just outsmarting somebody and as a defender personally that's what I've tried to do. I think that the game is changing honestly right now, and in the past couple of years I've been saying this a lot the game is changing to a more help defense style and uh I think that the second that happens we're gonna take a lot of this game's going to take a different direction it's already we've already seen it with like pony in the past couple of years some college teams have done it some high-level club teams, uh, and it's something I guess I like to think about playing smarter and not harder, and I think that he's somebody that does that, and I like to watch it. So, usually one of my favorites. And he's Pittsburgh Steelers, so I got to give it to those guys. You know, you have a lot in common with your owner now, right? I didn't know that, no. Yes, uh, Jeff
0: George is a Pittsburgh native and a huge Steelers fan. He he bleeds He bleeds black and gold as well.
1: Oh, I had no idea I'll have to talk to him no, about that.
0: It would behoove you to sit down and watch the Steelers
1: game with your owner, <laughs> mm-hmm. if if that season happens.
0: Jag, what do you got? You've been off of the Oh man,
1: yeah, I, I'm I'm stewing. I'm just getting ready. Uh, Matt, you would you consider yourself a, a big movie person? Yes. I was scrolling through Twitter and I came upon your tweets about the Oscar nominations, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let me go through all of these. And, and I have some questions. I know that you said you didn't watch all the movies uh, that were that were nominated. Did you watch Little Women? I did not. Oh, because I really liked Little Women. You were very high on it, and I was curious. It's a, yeah. Um, what was your reason for that? So
4: a lot. Of, so, my girlfriend and I are both very into, like, movies. We like to watch a lot of different stuff, and we enjoy the Oscars. I'll first say, and I said it in my tweet, the Oscars are kind of a sham. They all just, like, you, you basically campaign to win but it's still a uh, fun. So, um, I had basically just read up on knowing that that was good. And that's why I assumed that they would win and should win. I also felt bad that I didn't see it. Um, I still haven't, I probably should at some point, but I kind of had known compared with the other movies that the, uh, actresses in that should win. I actually don't remember who ended up, uh, winning, but it's on the
1: list of something I need to watch. But my other question, uh, related to movies is you seem to have um, you seem to have been really into this movie Swiss army, man. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> What's Swiss army? Man? I've never heard of it. So
4: it came out uh, 2016 or something. It's a couple of years ago. Um, and it has Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe in it. And in this movie, Daniel Radcliffe plays a dead body. And uh, which is already sounds like awesome. I think because it's Daniel Radcliffe and like, you know, he just is doing this kind of like bad shit movie. I uh, absolutely love this. I feel like any time I'm drinking, I put it on. Not going to lie, but uh, the I, first time I finished watching it, I, I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, that was phenomenal. And I couldn't explain why. But basically, a movie about this dude who's on an island, deserted, uh, is going to kill himself at the beginning of the movie. And right before he does it, a body washes up. And uh, that body's Daniel Radcliffe. And it, it starts with him kind of riding Daniel Radcliffe's body because his farts are propelling him to another island. He arrives in like a jet ski, and as the movie goes on, uh, Daniel Radcliffe starts to kind of come to life and has more powers that are helping this guy survive being stranded. Um, sounds insane, I know. I, it's hard to sell to people, but uh, thematically, it's it's just a very good, heartfelt movie. I really like the message that it comes across. You kind of start to realize that the dead guy is more alive than the alive guy, and I, I really like what it says in the end. And it's it's also very very funny. He kind of has to teach him everything, like he's a baby learning words for the first time, and like him learning about all this. And it, I, you gotta watch it. It's on Netflix. Everyone should watch it. It's I'll funny. look it up. It's it's Arnfell. Yeah, watch it. I I wouldn't watch the trailer. Watch like the Netflix little preview, and then decide if you want to watch it.
1: No, I'll just watch it. I got Oodles of time right now. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, that's true. I'm a, I'm obsessed with that though. it though. I mean, it is weird. It's very odd, but like. Stepping away, it's it's like funny. I like the narrative. I like the message, and it just like made me feel good. It was like a feel good movie, while also oh. like being kind of artistic.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's probably a good reason to watch it then, especially right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you were the star of a her campus Pittsburgh article in 2016. <laughs> I don't know if you remember yeah. that or not. But yeah, my I, girlfriend wrote that article. Yeah. Right, yeah, it does say that at the bottom. <laughs> if you you said back then that your spirit animal was an otter, yeah, do you still feel that way? You still feel oh, like yeah, you're an otter, for sure. What what are your more otter-like characteristics? <laughs> um, um, so uh,
4: oh, this is a tough question. I don't know. It's a spirit animal. It's like you can't just, sure.
1: I it can't. It's just but what it's you some, feel, but um, something about your spirit is an
4: otter. Something about my spirit. I used to say like, I was just out there trying to play. Otters are very. Uh, I don't know, you ever see like river otters or like you ever go to the zoo and see them? They're just out there they're just out there always like goofing off and like playing. Maybe that's not fully me, but uh I, I just I don't know. That's just what I what I picked, what I thought made sense. Um I love the water, I love the ocean, I like swimming. I like I that like free spiritedness that they have. They're really cool animals, they're super uh I don't I don't know, they're like kinda like athletic, they do cool things in the water. This is a tough question. It's, hard to, it's just what I felt at the time.
1: <laughs>
4: I, um, I tried out for U19 USA, Team USA, back in whatever year. And they asked us what our spirit animal was. They, like, broke us up. And I remember, like, the one guy was like, ooh, I'm, I'm a wolf or I'm a, I'm a bear. I'm a lion. I'm thinking, like, all these guys are picking these, like, cliche animals. And I, I said, I was like, I'm an otter. and I was like, I just want to go out there and play. Like, I just want to go out there and make things happen on the field. I want to I be on the field. And uh, I didn't make that team. I don't know if that was the reason why. But since then, I feel like I've always answered. You know, it's like you want to give a realistic answer, but you don't want to pick. I don't know. I don't want to pick some like cliche animal.
1: Sure. Or something so like obscure that people would be annoyed. Yeah. And you off immediately. <laughs> no, that's a good reason. Uh, so. My last question is more frisbee related. I think the um, you did you say that your pit team was your most successful team that you were on, or was there a team that you think maybe yeah surpassed that? Yeah. So yeah, my
4: my most successful, I guess, in terms of placement, would be Pit Twenty Eighteen. I got a silver medal.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you guys are. I mean, you've you've been a lot of places playing frisbee. Where do you see? Uh, where did you see? I guess this Phoenix team when you were coming into it, you know, does it have sort of those intangible qualities that you had on, uh, those Pittsburgh teams that you thought maybe were going to the title. Where do you see this team?
2: Oh, that's
4: all right.
1: I have to think about this. So one, I would
4: say like only having three practices in one trial that I've been a part of makes it tough. Um, I think a huge quality to being successful is buy-in, buy-in from all your players, buy-in to each other, buy into to the system, buy into to the team, buy into to the culture. Um, What I've seen so far, we definitely have that. That's something I think everyone's excited to be here, excited to play together um, and excited to get better. The second thing that I think is really important is the mentality of everyone needs to be there to build the best team. Everyone needs to be their best self. Um, And that I guess idea is like finding your role and being the best you can be at it. Like whatever you got to find what the Phoenix needs and you know, figure out how to, how to fit in and then be excellent at that. Um, what I've seen, I, I think there are a lot of guys that want to be the best. They want to be the best that they could possibly be for this team. And I, I think if you combine those two things, like buy-in and the, the drive to be be your best, I think we have the potential to, you know, win the whole thing. But in reality, like, I would never say anything other than that. Any team I'm on, no matter, like, what, my goal is to win every game I play. I, I think I yeah I, I said that in my uh, my spotlight as well. It's just I I can't settle for anything less and be satisfied with anything less than winning the whole thing. Yeah. So I mean, in my head, that's that's the plan. I think this team has what it takes. I'm excited to be a part of it, and I want to go out there and win the whole thing. In order to do that, you're going to have to make the
0: playoffs. And, oh yeah. And have you looked at the division a little bit? Have you have you eyeballed the new Atlantic
4: Division? Oh, I know what it is. it is. Doesn't matter though. <laughs> just it doesn't, a couple doesn't teams. Matter. I don't I, names don't matter, right? No, nope. it's just a bunch of teams. It's just a bunch of players.
0: That's what the the, the Sands brothers. We had them on a podcast last year, and they were, they they made mention about how the their their mantras. They're just playing a bunch of guys in shirts and and cleats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In shirts and shorts. That's it. It doesn't matter what their names are
4: or what they're doing. They're Completely agree. You know, when it comes to scouting, I'll say something else. But when you're on the field and you're lined up across uh, those seven guys, you just have to have your seven guys have to be better. Absolutely. Right. By the way, that your movie, your movie knowledge
0: is quite impressive. That was some uh, that was some Cisco and Ebert stuff you were spewing over there. That was.
4: <laughs>
2: oh, thank you.
1: <laughs>
2: in another
4: in another life, maybe I'd have been involved in uh, entertainment, but not this one.
2: Well,
4: <laughs> there's still time. I mean, how old are you? 23. No, oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm 24. I just turned 24 in February. <laughs> oh, happy belated birthday!
0: But Thank now if you're you. 24 now. Yep, it's good to know how old you are.
1: Yeah. It's
4: <laughs> uh, it's the coronavirus, right? It's uh, I don't know what day it is. I don't know. I don't know the month. My birthday passed. I didn't even realize. <laughs> uh, that's how focused it, focused
0: you were. But you got time now. You mm-hmm. got all the time in the world now. <laughs> so, all right. Um, for Matt Hanna, Matt, Matt, thank you for joining us. I certainly appreciate your time. No,
4: thank, thank you for you. having me.
0: No, no problem. For Alexander Shaggy Shregas, I'm Steve Leiner. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Burning Bird.